0: It's really difficult to find great executives. Spirit Consulting helps organizations find all-star executives and hire the right one using work psychology, so you can serve more customers and grow your business. To get a free quote, go to
1: spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Dog and Pony Show podcast, where we do all things uh, dog and pony shows. Uh, Just joking. so excited Uh, parker to have you on the podcast today um we've had a wonderful opportunity to build a relationship from our time working together at spirit consulting you're uh you guys always are raising the bar and showing me my inadequacies as a ceo so thank you for that and uh, thank you for just uh just the uh the the beautiful soul that you are in in your ability to really just share who you are and what's going on in your life and I feel like you've been graced that many people don't have this ability to like be checked in with your emotions and what's going on in their lives and how they're feeling um, at such a young age uh, where you know most people don't like you know get that until they hit like a midlife crisis or maybe some people <laughs> never have that opportunity so thank you for the person that you are um and uh, just to kind of Answer that question and get us prepared for the people listening today. Uh, who are you, Parker?
0: Hey, Chris. Uh, first, just thank you. Really appreciate the kind words. Uh, you're too kind to me and too hard on yourself. Um, <laughs> no need to uh, beat yourself up over you know any inadequacies or whatever inadequacies or whatever. Doing great um, for me myself. Really appreciate you having me on. Uh, Parker Sanders. Uh, I'm an associate consultant at Spear Consulting. Uh, So in terms of my daily work, um, something of, uh, I I guess, just a matchmaker between, uh, you know, uh, amazing clients and uh, the outstanding uh, candidates that, you know, we find a place in amazing and exciting positions. Um, Like to think of myself as a creator of partnerships, so to speak, uh, in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Yeah, how I go, you know, informally. Um, Before that, uh, I was a political science and economics student at uh, Bucknell University. Um, you know, I mean, outside of work still continue to be just very passionate, uh, you know, sort of a casual uh, student and observer in both of those fields. Um, on the personal side of things, I'm a Buffalo native. As my coworkers can definitely tell you, I'm a huge Bills fan, a lover of all things Buffalo um, and definitely loyal to, you know, my hometown in that regard. Um, otherwise, love music and cinema, um, history and philosophy. I'm also a, a passionate advocate of pretty much all things mental health and mental health awareness. Um, and then, I mean, other than that, also just the son of two incredible parents, uh, Wendy and Steven and uh, brother to my amazing sister, Jacqueline, who is uh, soon to be mother. So very excited for her as well.
1: Awesome. And that'll be the first time that you are an uncle, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes, with so my, uh, I just have the one
0: older sister. Um, so, you know, it's just the two of us now. She's six years older, so definitely has a leg up on me in that regard. I hope my parents aren't expecting anything from me anytime soon um but yeah it's super exciting you know definitely the whole family is uh fired up and and you know waiting it's a july 6th due date um so it should be a summer baby lots of fun it'll be a great time
1: yeah as you know the the my parents have 22 grandkids and uh it's like as as i like had left u of i and just kind of like doing my professional life of where you're at that was like the peak of the baby making season for all of my siblings. So it was it was just one of those things where like every year, every couple of months, you're like basically getting a new like baby notification of, you know, someone's pregnant and having kids. And it, it just like tears at your heart of like, you know, dang, like, you know, maybe I need to get in this game. So, <laughs> so and I'm sure that you'll see that as you get to like, you know, lift up your, 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 uh, your niece, uh, Uh, or you know the baby you'll just recognize like wow like what a what a privilege and honor it is to be able to like you know be that close to like like new life it's just and especially when it's like in your family it just i don't know there's something something different about it than just like you know Coming across, like, you know, random kids' babies or whatever it may be. Like, it's just not the same as, like, when it's your own, like, blood. It's just something that changes with inside of you. So, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. My, uh, it's, you know, funny. I, you know, Chris, you and I have talked about it. My, uh, on my mom's side, my, uh, my grandfather came from a family with 11 siblings. So, uh, I've always sort of had the perspective, have, you know, the big web of extended family, um, but agree that, you know, there's something to sort of that closeness that I'm really excited about. Um, you know, obviously with, We've got maybe like 40 cousins, uh, 30 cousins. Um, You know, you hear about new uh, new babies, you know, people on the way. Um, And it's always exciting, but definitely going to be different, you know, with the one sister, um, obviously a lot closer to home. And I mean, just a lot more there. So, yeah, it should be really exciting. Super excited for her. Everything's been going well so far. um, Minus, you know, uh, extended problems with their contractor uh, and their house, a couple delays. But um, everything's uh, squaring up and
1: really exciting there. So, uh, Parker, give us a understanding how you um, grew to the leadership position that you're in today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, um, a lot of places I could potentially start, I mean, I suppose uh, to go all the way back, right, uh, being, you know, sort of earlier in my career, might as well give you the original goals too, right? Uh, So, I mean, as a child, you know, my aspiration was to be a lawyer. A lot of reasons for this. um, You know, I mean, the one I sort of like to joke about is that my whole family was very into law and order. Uh, so, you know, of course that was the coolest thing I could have done. Right. (laughs) You know, it was basically a rock star in the household. Um, but I mean, beyond that, there was also just the fact that, I mean, law seemed very preeminent, right. And there was some level of sort of, you know, status attached to that in terms of, you know, proving that you were successful. Um, there's also just the fact that, you know, I very much thought of myself, you know, the classic sort of in school, you know, are you a math kid or are you an English and history type of person? I always identified as the latter. And so I just sort of saw that as, you know, naturally, oh, well, if I want to succeed, that's what I should do. Um, And then, I mean, with that, you know, I always took school very seriously, you know, as a kid. And Over time, what sort of happened is that, you know, my parents, family just began to give me that, you know, overachiever label that I, you know, honestly just wanted to live up to. Right. So with the status, with everything, it was all just sort of tied up as this opportunity to sort of prove that I could be, um, you know, what sort of the I guess the goal was. Right. Um, Now, eventually I realized it wasn't necessarily for me. Um, you know, that was conversations with a lot of people in the field, um, you know, just sort of getting a sense of things, realizing that that's not exactly, you know, a bit of a square peg round hole personally. Um, really then it was realizing that, you know, it was more the idea of it than I liked, uh, rather than, you know, anything specific about the job. Um, so, I mean, this, you know, takes me into college. I was pretty unsure at the time, um, you know, still sort of in that, you know, political science economics track that was sort of geared towards that, but looking at other options. Um, Eventually from there, I mean, what I decided on was sort of consulting because uh, I, I mean, I liked the idea of being, you know, that third party perspective, um, analyzing issues from, you know, the big picture down to the granular detail. Uh, but I mean, honestly, it's like, what did I even really mean by that? Right. It was another sort of case of me having an idea of something that I liked more than, you know, actual specifics and still, you know, sort of had this unsure sort of grainy vision of what it was I wanted to do. Um, now, I mean, that being said, when I thought sort of past the idea of profession and more so in terms of the impact I wanted to have. Um, I knew I wanted to help people. Um, I mean, I really didn't want to be in a position where I was just selling a product or service um, or, you know, sort of pushing something or otherwise just sort of, you know, functioning as one sort of cog in a machine, right? Um, I wanted to be able to make an impact and I wanted to be able to feel that impact in what I was doing. Um, So, I mean, this led me to the point where when I did eventually come across executive search generally and Spirit Consulting specifically, it just sort of immediately lit up the room as a possible answer to that then, right? Um, I mean, what I absolutely love about this role is, you know, the fact that I'm able to help people every day. And, you know, granted, there's aspects of sales as, you know, Wells analysis and everything that we do. Uh, But ultimately, you know, you're coming to conclusions and selling clients on people who will make their business more successful, make their lives easier. Um, And on the other side of things, you're connecting people with these just absolutely transformative opportunities that, you know, are able to make their lives so much better. I mean, I'll still point to it, you know, the first time that I had a candidate, uh, a candidate placed and, you know, was able to call him and tell him that the offer was coming through, he was somebody with three young children at home, sort of hearing the excitement on the other end, you know, about uh, a large potential raise and a new and exciting role. Um, that was awesome. You know, I mean, that's really everything for me. Um, and so it's that sort of mutual benefit that, you know, really inspires me every day at work, you know, motivates me to be able to do the best I can. Um, and so with Spirit, really, what I feel like I found is sort of an, an ideal environment, right? Um, You know, beyond sort of just the specifics of what we do, uh, you know, I really uh, the culture has always stood out to me and something that I continue to be really proud of being a part of uh, because it's so familial, so supportive. Right. Um, It's something that we're obviously conscious about. Right. And we want to continue to build as we scale up. But I feel like it really is just sort of a model in terms of what a, a workplace should be. Um, just the support that's kind of there, the environment that we're building, and also just the intentional effort given to, you know, being something more than just an office space, right? <laughs> Which is funny because we're remote and you don't even usually get this kind of connection, you know, in person a lot of times. Um, but, you know, beyond that, also the smaller size, perfect for me. Um, like I mentioned, you know, I didn't want to be sort of that cog. I, You know, another way of looking at it, I didn't want to necessarily be stepping into that lowest rung of any sort of totem pole or, you know, uh, sort of pre-existing structure, right? I wanted to be able to contribute as quickly as possible um, and be exposed to more just to be able to learn faster and grow faster myself as well. Um, so when I have that space for growth, like I have here, you know, it's really motivating beyond everything else. And yeah, I mean, I suppose that's probably the the whole package, right? Um, sort of all the things that have uh, drew me in, kept me here about a year in with spirit now, and I'm absolutely loving it
1: yeah and i think the the other thing that you uh left off is already being promoted within that time period too uh just Recognizing your ability, as you mentioned, of being able to sell opportunities to candidates, and then also be able to really like analyze those candidates to determine the best fit. In addition to being able to, uh, you know, connect with our clients on a deep level and and hear them and understand their needs and be able to fulfill those needs. Because if you can't do that, then you know you're not going to be very successful in the business of, of hiring executives onto our client organizations. So that's awesome and and thank you for for um just kind of sharing about your journey thus far in a in an, in a prior podcast episode with your boss jaden smith he talked about one of you know talking about the the family uh nature of spirit consulting and we we talked about you know one of the things that we focus on is being able to have like one-on-ones with our indirect reports and be able to like you know maintain deep relationships uh both internally and externally. So that's led me and you to being able to have these one-on-ones for the last couple of months, which has been really great to get to know you. And and a lot of those conversations happen to be outside of just work. and, and, uh, you know, so in the last one in particular, I guess what I'm like the most excited about is actually being able to like focus on like emotional intelligence and find areas where like we personally are have an opportunity to grow in a deeper way. Mine in particular was about radical candor and feedback. And I didn't get to share this uh, on on the last work call that we had, but I think one of the most notable uh, situations came up, Parker, that I wanted to share now. So I'm sitting at one of my uh, son's basketball games and, you know, we have a blended family. So uh, the boy's mom and her boyfriend are like sitting in the stands above me. And i've gotten to this place where like at kids athletics that i'm trying not to like just always be yelling because like in my nature it's so easy for me to be like run faster throw it over there like all this corrective type of language instead of just like being loving and encouraging and supporting so i'm like intentionally trying to do that of just like encouraging them to keep working hard you know keep having fun like just like things that are just like uplifting meanwhile like you know uh uh the boy's mom's uh boyfriend is doing the exact opposite of that. and and at one point like he specifically says like well what's working hard going to do like and he's literally like four feet behind me so in my own head i'm just like there's just like 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 i'm literally like a bull in a china shop of like ready to just (laughs) go to world war three with this guy and i'm just like i'm like okay i just kind of like prayed and centered myself like all right you know what what are we here for recognizing that we were there for you know chris's basketball game so i was just like i was like you know what sitting here is probably not the healthiest thing for me to, to be doing so i just like walked away so i just didn't have to hear him overall but so then now here i am like we had just talked about setting this goal of like radical candor and now i'm like all right well am i gonna like you know confront this guy like And I was like, "Mm, probably not the best for the sake of like with all the kids around and, you know, don't want to know like what could happen, etc. So instead, I'm like later, I'm like driving after like, you know, uh, uh, the boys have been dropped off. It's been a couple hours now and I just called him and I was like, just kind of like explain to him how like his comments were making me feel and why I communicated the way that I communicated. And then it became like a very like I thought for sure it was going to turn into like an arguing match or just, you know, who knows what could happen. But instead he was like, he was like, yeah, you know, I I understand why you say that and I can understand how you like feel the way that you're feeling. And I'm sorry for like making you feel that way, which based off our relationship, it like could have easily totally like been a train wreck. And I thought, you know, for sure that I was just going to in that sense, like, you know, take some, like, you know, further whips on the back. And it was just gonna be one of those things. But it ended up like actually being able to deepen our relationship. And so I was just like, I was just like, Yes, let's go like this is, you know, it's yeah. it's one thing to just like tell candidates that they're not a fit for a position, uh, and then maybe share some feedback. But like, when the stakes are even that much higher of like, you know, people could be screaming at you. I feel like it just makes it that much harder. So I was like, really encouraged. And especially, you know, because the reason why I don't like struggle to be able to share feedback. Is because, be you know, growing up as an adult, an adult child of an alcoholic, and recognizing that when people like feedback and emotions, et cetera, created yelling and screaming. Um, that's why like, you know, as a young adult, I like struggled to be able to like share feedback, but you know, that's one of the, like the, the tips of our, of our values as spirit consulting is to love other people. And that's like intentionally wanting to enter into conflict for the sake of being able to, uh, you know help them grow and share feedback in that way so i really attribute that to our one-on-ones and being able to uh you really like like encouraging me and inspiring me to set that goal of like you know for the next month to be really like focused on when the opportunities are there to offer feedback to offer it and that's just like one of the many like beautiful things of like that has like helped people grow and then been like a, a relationship booster too have you been feeling unfulfilled? You want to be happy, but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity I've grown to love, River of food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riveralightchicago.org. Again, RiverlightChicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry.
0: Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's really amazing. I mean, you know, we sort of had mentioned it, and I'm just really glad to hear that it's been sort of, you know, that positively impactful. You know, I mean, even outside of, you know, professional side of things, right? Um, just so glad that it was able to, you know, provide a little bit of, you know, guidance and clarity dealing with something like that. Um, I mean, I think that it, it sounds like you handled it perfectly in the sense of, you know, that initial sort of pause and, okay, I'm not here to get into a yelling match right here at this game, right? Um, but I think that that's, you know, indicative of sort of why there's so much potential for good in that type of behavior, right? Um, something that is inherently conflictual, you know, disagreeing over the way that, you know, your son is being parented and, you know, treated at a sports game. I mean, it's obviously something that, you know, seems small, but is pretty large in terms of the philosophy of sort of parenting, right? Um, I think that to be able to take that step back, you know, realize it would just attract them, but deliver that measured feedback, right? Um, and you mentioned that in sort of the context of, of, you know, candidates, clients would have you, yeah, you know, it's most difficult to handle those things when there is, you know, screaming or, you know, high tension would have you. Um, but you know, maybe it's also then the difference between, you know, when somebody isn't a fit for a position, right. Um, being able to still calmly go through things and then deliver measured feedback at the end rather than just being, Hey, sorry, you're not a fit. This isn't going to work out click. Right.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, you know, always making sure that you're giving people the time and the patience, you know, to kind of do justice, right. By your feedback, you know, not that, not just being a way of you getting something off your chest. Right. But like you said, entering conflict to be able to create something better at the end. Um, I mean, I think that that's a really powerful example. And I mean, honestly, like, thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah, no worries. Uh, So, so wanted to kind of dive into back into your, your leadership journey thus far, Parker, can you tell us a little bit about some of the vices that you've had to overcome in order to be the leader that you are today?
0: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, I mean, I suppose to begin, it's, you know, i uh, I guess I would just want to preface it by you know saying I think it would be unjust to, you know sit here and talk in past tense as if you know the journey is over right and I've overcome all there is you know to overcome in terms of vice. Um, I mean growth, it's obviously professionally personally, it's an unending process um, and one that I'm you know looking to continue embracing and something that throughout this conversation you know I don't want to get away from that fact that you know things aren't necessarily done, the book is never closed it's it's continuous, right. Um, I actually something that I love about my job is I get these little tidbits of wisdom from, you know, people that I talk to all the time. Uh, And recently, um, I had a candidate describe it to me that once you think you already know everything about something, um, you begin to get worse at whatever it is you're doing. Um, So that's something that, you know, has really stuck with me uh, in the past couple weeks since hearing that. And something that I think is just really applicable in terms of that sense of just, you know, staying grounded in the fact that these are all unending journeys, right? It's struggle, it's back and forth, it's, you know, uneven progress. Um, But just really important to keep pushing there for that progress, right? Not to give up or to think that it's settled. Um, So, you know, that's just sort of underscoring this whole approach. But I mean, all that being said, though, you know, there's, of course, struggles or, you know, vices, so to speak, that I've dealt with, or to varying extents, overcome. Um, And I mean, while honestly, you know, there's a lot of directions I could go in. Um, a unifying theme for those would be the vice of fear. Um, you know, I mean, this has manifested a lot of ways. You know, truthfully, it's been, you know, anything from fear of not being good enough, uh, the fear of falling short, um, you know, in a different lens, the fear of being a disappointment or, you know, otherwise fear of being incapable, you know, in a world that really does demand ability. Right. Um, going all the way back, I sort of always had this feeling like there was some sort of expectation that I had to live up to. Um, so my response was always, you know, push myself to succeed at the highest level, um, know the most or be the best at whatever it was I was doing. Um, but you know, funny enough, it didn't really, uh, you know, ever get me in towards any kind of satisfaction, right? It was really hard finding satisfaction and succeeding that way. Um, cause with that kind of mindset, I wasn't really ever achieving anything, right? Um, it was very much focused on the negative and, you know, in that sense, it only sort of felt like I had temporarily staved off that realization of not being good enough. Um, you know, to sort of even take this to an example, like you were just just discussing, you know, it's, it's the difference between, you know, cheering on your son for, you know, a good play um, versus yelling at him for not doing it right. Uh, when you play basketball that second way, you're spending the entire game just thinking about the things you're doing wrong. And I mean, in short, that's basically how I was going about life. Um, it was almost just focused on just maintaining that safety of, uh, you know, being OK rather than actually reaching or doing anything new. Um, You know, obviously a comfort zone was a hard thing to push, uh, given that, you know, there was the uncertainty of possibly failing going outside of that. Um, So, I mean, as you might expect, this really, you know, long term, this didn't prove to be a viable way of going about life. Um, But ironically enough, it also helped me to succeed for a number of years. So, I mean, I had sort of mentioned being, you know, an overachiever as a child, um, really applied myself in school, you know, anything like that. I remember sort of the discussions of, you know, finding finding my talent that was going to help me, you know, stand out on the college application. Um, you know, there was always sort of this focus on goal orientation, results orientation in my household. Um, and so, you know, for many, many years, I just sort of played to that and it went well, you know, reasonably enough in the sense that I was succeeding in the things I was, you know, trying my hand at for the most part. Um, but also in hindsight, you know, shying away from things that I <laughs> wasn't succeeding at first thing. And that's why I kind of mentioned, you know, the the inverse of uh, looking for, you know, that skill to stand out Um I remember trying a bunch of things and putting them down really quickly because I felt like I wasn't good at them, right? And sort of holding myself back in that way. Mm. Um, But I still had my lane in terms of school, you know, academics always really performed well there. Um, And I mean, honestly, if you would ask me this question, you know, then, you know, what would I sort of identify as, you know, a vice? Uh, It would be the things that I was afraid of. Um, I was afraid of being unreliable, continue to be afraid of being unreliable, Uh, being disordered or disorganized, um, just sort of lacking inertia and ability. Um, the things that I fear are almost the things that I think are the vices I deal with. Um, now these are, I can say in hindsight, you know, that I don't really think I've ever been any of those things. I I don't think I, you know, am a, a super unreliable, disorganized person. I feel like that's probably inaccurate from a third person perspective, but I mean, truthfully, I still have a tough time closing up my work, you know, at the end of each day without first thinking, you know, did I do enough, um, you know, or essentially, am I good? Um, now At Spirit, I really benefit from having an amazing team, including, you know, my aforementioned wonderful boss, Jaden, who really is a model support in that regard. Uh, Because, I mean, he's not only aware of, you know, my sort of tendency to second guess myself like this, but he also really recognizes it and calls me out on it, which is, you know, super helpful to sort of be reminded, hey, you're being kind of ridiculous about this. Um, But that also wasn't always the case, right? You know, there wasn't always sort of that person who was, you know, showing that kindness, that, you know, respect and support um you know so previously this sort of thinking was a lot more detrimental in how i was going about my life um i was essentially just pushing 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 trying to succeed um for i mean pretty much my whole upbringing through education uh, until things sort of came to a head more or less you know midway through my college career um so i guess to give a little bit of reference you know at the start of my uh college um experience over the course of my freshman year um i earned a 4.0 coming in which was awesome at the start uh, and then turned out to be hugely problematic. Uh, and the reason for that was because instead of, you know, being like, oh, this is awesome, I'm doing great. It just sort of created this situation where, you know, given all this anxiety about, you know, falling short or otherwise, you know, failing. Um, I felt that I just needed to hit that same mark to feel OK about myself. Otherwise, I wasn't good Jeez. enough. And yeah, it just, it, you know, when I did, then there was no joy in it either. Right. You know, so I would succeed. And then there was just a sense, again, that failure had been avoided. Um, So I was working myself to the bone, miserable about doing it. Um, And I mean, as you might expect, you know, my mental health just began to suffer from there, um, which then also made it harder to maintain my standards, uh, which then made it all the worse, you know, in terms of feeling like I was a failure. Um, And then the worst part was, too, that it, you know, began to just sort of permeate through my way of thinking, right? I mean, obviously, there were elements of that. But in terms of coming to a head, you know, it wasn't just about school anymore, you know, it was dissatisfaction with myself as a person, how I interacted in my relationships, how I looked physically, Um, anything really, just sort of spanning the gauntlet, you know, sort of what, you know, am I a good son? You know, all of these crazy questions that it wasn't until I was able to sort of take a step back and, you know, put together all of these, you know, pieces and and trace them through sort of my life, you know, how these thoughts developed in my head that I was able to sort of find relief. Um, Essentially, you know, until I sort of recognized the development of each of these, um, you know, I was just sort of so caught up in it That I was being dominated by it every single day. Um, Now, at the time, I was lucky enough to just have some really incredibly supportive people around me um, that they sort of gave me that initial push, right? Sort of said like, hey, these are all ridiculous thoughts. Um, This isn't you. Your fear of what you think you're like isn't what you're actually like. And these are just thoughts to get caught up in. Um, And that kind of got me to take a step back and have that moment of realizing, like, this is ridiculous. And, you know, I've said ridiculous a few times um, because, you know, the ridiculous part is that it made all perfect sense at the time. Right. Um, And I suppose that's the ironic part. Right. Is that anxiety or anything like that is generally going to be uh, maladaptive, you know, responding poorly in response uh, to other things and just creating, you know, uh, loops that don't make a lot of sense, um, but feel perfectly logical when you're living within them. Um, and so these were just sort of, you know, responses and patterns of behavior that I had to really recognize as coming in response to that pressure I put on myself. Um, something that I had to understand how I developed that fear of failure to begin with, uh, before I was able to then master it. Right. Um, I had to sort of pull myself back to that point of view, you know, not being, you know, one foot away from that picture, um, and sort of have that opportunity to see things fully and see things clearly. Um, once I was able to gain just a reasonably solid footing on that perspective, Um, it was acceptance, right. Um, accepting myself for who I am, who I know myself to be, um, also just focusing on showing myself love for the things that I am doing well, rather than condemnation for not being good enough. Um, that really was sort of a a huge divide that I feel like is, you know, still very important, um, generally speaking and sort of everything we do, right. Leading with that affection, leading with that love. Like we're even talking about, again, going to the reference of the basketball game, you know, be empowering the voices in your head that are saying, Hey, good effort. And not just the ones that are sort of saying, Hey, you missed, Um, you know, dividing your focus appropriately there. And I mean, I think it also helps, you know, that it, you know, in the work we do, I'm in an environment now that, you know, part of the reason that I love what I do Uh, I mentioned being able to very directly have those examples of what I'm doing, right, in terms of, you know, that first call uh, from a candidate who was placed being so exciting. Um, Because when something like that is, you know, the end result, there's not really that ambiguity of did I do enough? Did I do it right? Am I right? Am I good? Uh, It's just clear as day that, you know, this is somebody who's incredibly happy with the impact you've been able to have in their life. Um, And that's something that makes it, you know, a lot easier than in the context of sort of reminding myself hey, yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's right. You, you are doing good. You are making a positive impact. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding right here.
1: Well, <clears throat> thank you, Parker, for your candor, uh, being able to share about kind of your struggles with fear uh, to this point. And, um, yeah, sorry to hear that you had to go through that. I'm curious, thinking that, you are know, just like hearing you, you know, share a, about your experience with that, what says you to a person that's listening to this that is presently, like that you just kind of like read their mail and they're like, yeah, that's that's where I recognize where I'm at mentally. Um, I know many adults that are in their 60s that still live from a place of fear in everything that they do. Um, so yeah, just kind of curious as to like, if, there, if there's someone listening to this, what do you kind of like recommend is, as ways out of that, I know you shared a couple of them, um, but yeah, I was just kind of curious. Like, was that work with a therapist? Was that was that work with like uh, like a loved one? How, like, how did you kind of find yourself to get out of the, those those uh, that that loop that you were in?
0: Yeah, no, and I mean, I guess I'd want to say you know, there's there is no one single right way, right? Um, there's a lot of ways that you can find support, and there's a lot of ways that you can provide your provide yourself support internally, right? There's probably
1: a lot of ways that you can do more damage. (laughs)
0: There's also a lot of ways that you can really give yourself a hard time. So we're going to avoid those ones. Um, But, you know, you mentioned, you know, things that are more sort of structured, you know, with a therapist. I think something like that, if you are really struggling, is absolutely what you should go and seek out. I think that if you feel like you really need that hard look in the mirror, you know, that sort of... uh, evaluation, that tracing, and that's something that, you know, you're struggling with that level of introspection on your own, then absolutely, you should be seeking out whatever resources are going to help you, right? Because nobody deserves to feel like that. Um, I think that, you know, (laughs) to that person who's sitting there, though, I I think that there's, you know, two main parts, you know, what can I do in terms of internally? And what can I do externally? Um, Internally, I feel like it's like we talked about, you know, raising those sort of voices for doing things right, Um, Giving yourself a pat on the back when you do something well, it's, you know, funny, I feel like in our culture, it's, you know, very much you're supposed to stay, um, you know, you don't want to seem like that person who's self gratifying or that person who, you know, thinks that they're all that or something like that. But it creates this weird sort of complex where we feel like we need to constantly downplay our successes because there's somebody out there doing bigger and better things. If it's good, you should take pride in it. If you're doing good things, you should feel good about them. And that's important to give yourself that recognition. Um, I think the other side of it is who you surround yourself with, right? Um, I think that everyone deserves to be around people who one love and care about them, but to show that love and that care. Right. Um, I think that that's another thing that sort of, you know, is very much, uh, we too often, I think, especially in, you know, sort of social media driven culture, you know, people are very focused on, um, sort of the, the, the social implications of who they're around, right? Or the social implications of how they seem. Um, I feel like it can be harder and harder almost to find those people who are just sort of, you know, caring for you, for you, right? Um, but what everybody deserves, you know, is somebody or, you know, people generally uh, that are going to tell them, hey, these are the things that, you know, I think are awesome about you. Um, these are the things that, you know, make you a special person in my life. Um, I mean, the most, you know, amazing friendships that I've had in my life that, you know, I've stuck there, I've been the ones where we see each other and it doesn't matter what we're talking about. You know, if one of us gets excited talking about the things going on in our life, it's Hey man, like I'm really excited for you too. Like that is awesome. Like that genuine support and, you know, affection towards one another, I think is something that goes so far and to otherwise sort of be surrounded with people that it's, you know, maybe proximity. um, It's maybe just sort of some common interest, but what you're lacking is that actual mutual uh, goodwill for one another. Um, I think it's really tough to, you know, sort of build that up when you don't have others also helping to build that up in you.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's a great point, because, you know, I've seen from my own experience that as people have gotten around me in my inner circle Mm -hmm. that come from a different upbringing, like they're just like shocked of like, oh, like shaming and guilting. And that's not a part of this culture that you're in yelling like that fam, like when you guys are like socializing, there's not like yelling and screaming or people that are like going off the deep end or, you know, just cutting people down, like that it is a very like wholesome and like supportive and encouraging culture that like is within, you know, cause that, you know, the, the values of Sphere Consulting are ultimately the values to which Chris Gomez is living his life by So it's just like that, that is just, you know, just taking the way that I want to live my life where I'm living, you know, on a personal level and then like pulling that out to a professional basis too. And yeah, so I think that that's excellent of, you know, because I can think about too, because, you know, we've talked about that I had a quarter life crisis about the same time that you did in your life. And, uh, um, just thinking about, you know, my friends at the time, they were very much not what you're describing there of like, they were not encouraging we were all like so lost boys trying to like find our own way that like anyone else that like had any sort of recognition or had done anything great it was more so of like a shot at us of like less resources for us so then it everything became a competition to the point where it's like you know if someone did something good it's like you know cut them down about it don't make them feel good because like, you you know, Oh, but, but at the end of the day, it just, it's coming from a place of like fear and uh, you know, just not feeling good about yourself overall. So um, yeah, I, I love, I love both of that as well. So Parker, what is, uh, talk to, talk to me a little bit about um, you know, where you've been gifted on the, on the opposite side of that, where do you feel is some of the the virtues that you've been naturally gifted with?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, Ultimately, the things that you know shine through. First of all, just you know, in virtues are going to be those things that we you know choose to really lead with, right? Or that you know we put sort of the focus and you know the intention in. Um, I mean, I think that from sort of you know my experiences uh, in life, and I mean the thing that's obviously sort of caught up in our whole conversation here is uh, the amazing difference it can be when you have you know truly empathetic leaders around you. Um, so, in terms of you know virtues that I focus on and ones that I feel like I you know have made progress on. Um, I would say, you know, magnanimity, sort of that ability to just be other oriented. Um, I really, you know, pride myself on sort of considering the needs, conditions, thoughts, feelings of others, uh, because I mean, I've seen how big of a difference that can make in my life and also in, you know, sort of the lives of those around me. Um, I mentioned earlier, you know, in terms of thinking about my boss, Jaden, the difference it makes for me on a day to day basis that he's sort of aware of and can catch me when I'm, you know, getting ahead of myself, jumping to conclusions about like, Have I done enough? Is the work I'm doing enough good? You know, just having, and and it doesn't have to be a lot, but having that person there to say like, hey, you're doing great. uh, Being aware of that, it's amazing the impact that that can have. And so that's something that I want to have for others
1: then too, right? Well, and by the way, Parker, you're doing a great job on this podcast episode today (laughs) too. Chris, you're you're the best, man. Thank you. I really
0: appreciate it. You're doing such a great job leading. I, I wouldn't be able to do it without you.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> But uh, no, I mean, I think that, you know, the capacity for good that we just have as people is so incredible to think about when you really do think about it. Um, and so it's just almost inspiring to think about, right, when you begin to ingrain that into the way into your way of being, you know, professionally, as a leader, as a person, as, you know, a member of family. It's amazing to think about the, the ripple effects that you can have. I mean, goodwill begets goodwill, right? Um, If you treat people better, people are generally going to think like, hey, this is just how, you know, the world works. People work is, you know, good behavior as being normal Um, rather than, you know, like you're saying, it's interesting the way that you can so quickly create these cultures of just cutting one another down as normal in lieu of that. Um, And so it's, you know, that's why I also mentioned why it's just important. You know, we can talk about sort of what's natural, what's the gift, but I think that ultimately it's continuing to have that intention every single day of making sure things stay on that positive uh, positive sort of um, energy, I think is going to be, it's, it's always going to be uh, paid dividends just out of the line.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, the phrase that was coming to mind is that, you know, hurt people hurt people and heal people heal people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's almost like what I'm saying here is that If if this is also if you're if this is starting to resonate with you too on the element of like if you find yourself in maybe a toxic culture that isn't as supportive of one another, like I think the the best thing that you can do is like it's hard to be able to put a oxygen mask on someone if you yourself are are uh, you know dying, and so you have to be able to find that healing that you know Kenneth Parker was talking about as the first level. Of like getting your getting getting outside of yourself with that so that you have the opportunity to be able to you know create these healing cultures and be a healed person so you can love other people and not just you know not be doing ministry uh from a place of woundedness that is ultimately just going to create more and more pains in people's lives so so yeah so that that's awesome um so parker what's the biggest challenge in your life presently
0: yeah i um you know, I think that uh, presently, it's just sort of at this, uh, it's overcoming that fear still, right? And that's sort of the, the funny part is, I mean, you can, you know, put so much work into something and still be working on it. Um, but, you know, I mean, as far as where I am sort of at in my own life right now, at a bit of an interesting intersection. Um, you know, like I mentioned, uh, about a year now into my time with Spirit, um, obviously finished school. Uh, You know, sort of the situation I'm in is just that it's one of sort of uncertainty and, you know, where to necessarily go from here. Um, You know, my uh, from Buffalo, as I mentioned, but my sister is in Denver. Uh, Parents are retiring to Florida. Um, So everyone's kind of spreading out. It opens up just the window of, you know, where do I want to be? Um, what do I want to do? Um, my girlfriend of, you know, several years is also uh, in the process of securing her first job, which is super exciting, uh, but also contributes to then that aspect of, you know, necessarily like what comes next, right? And I think that it's, there's an anxiety there because anytime I've, you know, been faced with that question previously in my life, it's always been, well, whatever comes next, it has to be successful, right? Or it has to in some way measure up as, as good against, you know, all the possibilities. It has to be one of the best ones. Um, and that's a terrible way of thinking about things, right? Um, as you and I can sit here and talk about, you know, it's very much a journey. There are ups, there are downs. It's just about embracing every aspect of that, right? Um, something you and I have even talked about is that in these past few months of, uh, you know, sort of being in the more preliminary stages of this, not necessarily embracing it, but feeling anxious about it, right? Like, yeah, like what does come next? Where am I supposed to be living? You know, what am I supposed to be doing? Um, you know, am I doing everything I can for my career? Uh, and I think that that sort of pressure is something that I've you know really been focusing on taking off, um, taking a look back, and just enjoying every day, right? Enjoying you know the work I do every day, um, enjoying you know my relationships with my friends, with my girlfriend, with my family. Um, and I think that it's just that embrace of you know the process of the journey and of you know every day is being both a learning opportunity and also a gift. Um, I think that that's really you know the trick to sort of staying grounded through it. Although. Maybe I'm coming to the end too fast because I haven't figured it out yet.
1: <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, can I take that to prayer, Parker? Absolutely, yeah. All right, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, I, I thank you for the opportunity to connect with Parker today and to be able to share uh, my love of him uh, with, the, with our audience and with the world. And, and Lord, I just pray that, uh, I, I first just want to enter into your gates with praise and I praise you, God for the way that you pulled Parker through uh, this fear that he's gone through, that sometimes we have to enter into the fire to be burned away to be able to live in a higher level of living. So Lord, I thank you and I praise your name for the way that you've already pulled him through uh, a spirit of fear to get to this recognition where he is today. And so Lord, I also pray in Jesus's name that any additional spirits of fear that are on him that he's struggling with to be gone right now in Jesus's name and the blood that Jesus spilled on the cross. And Lord, I I just, uh, you know, all I want to do is praise your name every day. And uh, the more that I can live in a spirit of gratitude and thankfulness, the more that I recognize that every single moment of every single day is just a gift. And that's why it's called the present because that is what it is lord it is a present so lord i just pray blessings upon parker that lord that you would grace him with the ability to just have this super mindfulness about how gifted he is in every little moment of every day and that as we stay grounded in in the present moment we can leave the past which allows us to be having regrets and we can leave the future which just only gives us anxiety about things that we don't know about and as you as you told us lord that that you clothe uh the you you feed the birds of the air and you clothe the fields and if if your father in heaven takes care of those little things how much more will he take care of his beloved children and parker is your beloved son lord so i I just pray that that you would give him that grace to recognize how loved he is And how provided for that he really is and just being able to allow him to stay in a place of gratitude Uh, and i pray this through the mighty name of our blessed lord jesus christ amen 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 so thank you for watching us on the virtuous heroes podcast where we inspire virtuous leadership and parker many blessings to you friend hey chris thank you so much really appreciate uh, being on here Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. <laughs> Just joking. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.